you are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 173 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's show, we continue piecing together the best A's players at each position during the Bailey Bean era. This week, we have already covered the catchers and first basemen, and today we're going over the best second basemen of the last couple of decades. So that's what we have on tap for you guys today. And then in our next episode on Friday, we're going to skip tomorrow, on Friday, we're going to have the top shortstops of the last couple of decades. So that's what we have in the past, coming up today, and in the future. So uh, get excited and get your votes in too. You can cast your votes over on Twitter, at LockedOnAs, the most recent episode that we've covered. So today, uh, by the time you're hearing this, if this is your first time with the voting system, uh, we will have the top second baseman pinned to our profile. You can uh, go ahead and vote in the poll from there. Um, it's that that easy, you guys. And also you can follow us at LockedOnAs on Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. We're talking second baseman here in just one second, but also today's episode is brought to you guys by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. All right, so let's talk about the Keystone. The A's have had two guys be their primary second baseman since Billy Bean took over as A's GM in 1998, so I'll have to save them for a little bit later in the episode. But today, we're starting out with a little bit of a conundrum that I found myself in when looking at the war leaderboards on Fangraphs. If you look at the qualified second baseman, then Marco Scudero comes in fourth place in war over the course of 476 games. But if you expand the parameters just a little bit by 50 at-bats, 50 plate appearances, it's not that much. Then we actually have a newcomer to the war leaderboard and that is Randy Velarde who basically just put up better numbers in a shorter period of time and that's why he wasn't in the qualified list. So with all that said I'm go- not going to knock Randy Velarde for not having enough plate appearances. He makes the final cut and he is actually the third ranked second baseman according to war over this period of time. So uh, he-, he did this in 239 games. He put up 4.7 war and uh, you know I- I'm including Randy Velarde. He is number three. I'm going out of order just just because I don't want to spoil who number four is, who I'll talk about here in a second. But uh, Randy Velarde, he came over to the A's in a trade deadline deal in 1999 with the California, uh, no, the Anaheim Angels by that point. And it was a deal that brought over uh, Omar Oliveras as well. The A's traded Jeff Devan and a couple of prospects to make the deal happen. Velarde was then traded to the Rangers in November of 2000 for Aaron Harang. And after Velarde reached free agency in 2001, he signed on for a brief stint with the A's in 2002 as well. So uh, I just wanted to give you all of that background on him before I told you his stats since they're spaced out over a couple of stints with the club. So in total, Velarde hit 286 with a 363 on base percentage and a WRC plus of 104. He was a pretty solid bat for the A's and I believe he had a pretty solid glove there too. So uh, my main memory of Randy Velarde though is basically the no-nonsense look that he had on the field and the eye black that he would wear. And uh, 
you know, it, it was just, it's just something that sticks in my mind. I don't know why, but he just had that no nonsense look that, uh, you're like, Hey, I don't want to mess with that guy. Um, but when it comes to plays that he made, you have to go with the unassisted triple play that he turned against the Yankees in 2000. Uh, that one, Shane Spencer lined a ball to Velarde at second, which he caught for one out. And then the runner from first, Jorge Posada had advanced far enough, uh, on the play that he could just be tagged by Randy Velarde. And then he just simply stepped on second base for the third out. And I pulled up the replay knowing what was coming and it was still so smooth and so seamless and so easy for him. I was like, wow, that's, that's really impressive. Cause, uh, he caught me by surprise. I knew that a triple play was going to happen. And I was like, oh, did it happen yet? Why are they running off the field already? I need to watch this again because, uh, yeah, it it was just so seamless and so easy for him. So uh, good job on Randy Velarde for making it to the top of the leader. Well, not quite the top of the leaderboard, to third place on the leaderboard after like two seasons with the A's in total. Uh, So yeah, that was fun. Uh, Moving on to one of my favorite second basemen of this early Billy Bean era. And uh, this is the guy that's placed number four among second basemen in war and that is frank manichino i've been saying we're gonna remember some guys and well this is a guy to remember he was basically the early 2000s version of chad pender where he just play all over the diamond but would generally be slotted at second base uh pender's probably a little bit better but don't tell frank manichino that he's still around um in 308 games with the a's frankie accumulated 3.3 wins above replacement just edging out marco scudero's two and a half Menachino hit 228, but with his 13.2% walk rate, his on base percentage sat at 347. And that's the kind of guy that Billy Bean was going after in those early days. Just guys that get on base. He didn't really care about the batting average. He saw that walk rate. He's like, I can afford this guy for like a league minimum. And uh, that's that's how Frankie Menachino wound up in Oakland. And for what it's worth, Menachino also had a 93 WRC plus. So he is a little bit below average, uh, below league average with the bat. But, you know, he got that uh, that on base percentage percentage and that doesn't lie so you know you got to take some faults with the guys that you go after when you're not paying much money um and if i am reading this correctly menachino was actually a rule five pick of the a's back in 1997 but i'm assuming that it was a minor league draftee which is so convoluted i i know basically how the rule five draft works but the minor league portion i don't know how players come up for that and whatnot but it looks like he was a minor league draftee by the A's from the White Sox because he did not make his debut in the majors until 1999, so a couple of years after he was drafted. And just so that I'm showing my work on this one, uh, his baseball reference page, uh, the transactions portion just says that he was drafted by the White Sox and then drafted by the A's from the White Sox in the minor league draft. I'm assuming that means the Rule 5 draft. Uh, the timeline matches when he would have been el- eligible for the Rule 5 draft, so I'm going with it. I'm saying he was a Rule 5 draftee. Uh, if you know better, let me know, but I'm pretty sure that that's how that all shapes out on that one. Um, anyways, Manichino hit 23 homers in his time with the A's, but his biggest hit for my money was against the Yankees in May of 2001 when he singled the left to score Mark Bellhorn from third. And, uh, honestly, I thought that he had hit a walk-off homer against the Yankees. Uh, so I was looking for walk-off homers and I did not find one. So I was like, Hey, it must've been this single. Um, I'm assuming that I was thinking of the Marco Scudero, uh, home run that he hit uh, off of Mariano Rivera, I believe. So, uh, yeah, that, that's a, that's a thing that happened is 
he had a he had a walk-off single so good job by frankie on that one and just to remember one more guy uh the day before frankie menachino hit his walk-off single to left adam pyatt had roped a walk-off single of his own against the Yankees in the 12th, so that's a lot of fun. Just remembering some guys between Frank Manichino, Mark Bellhorn, Adam Pyatt. These are names that I don't think about anymore, but uh, here you go. They're now in your brain, too. Uh, and last thing on Frankie Manichino is he is currently the White Sox hitting coach, and I just assumed that a day in the life of Frank Manichino as the White Sox hitting coach is something like, hey, you're doing great, Jose Abreu. Keep it up. Hey, Tim Anderson, looking good. No mama's you suck. I hate you. <laughs> Anyways, coming up on the show, I have the top two second baseman of the Billy Bean era. And on Friday's show, I'm going over the top shortstop. So stay locked in with Locked On A's and I'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you guys by the best tasting protein bar ever. That's right. We're talking about Built Bar and the improved Built Bar is even more delicious. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. They have six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake and apple almond crisp they also have their original 12 flavors coconut almond i've said that one before but it's really speaking to me right now and all of their bars are covered in 100 chocolate they are soft and easy to chew they are protein bars that taste like candy bars and all of their bars are built for the health conscious person you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat all their bars are low calorie low sugar high protein, high fiber, and great for the keto diet. So all you got to do to get your hands on some of these tasty treats is go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. That is one word, LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. And you also get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Welcome back to the Locked On Ace Podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you like hearing podcasts. Tell a friend about it. And also make sure that you are getting your votes in on Twitter at Locked On A's. Get those votes in for first base, second base, shortstops coming up on Friday. We got a whole slew of these things for you guys. Uh, so make sure that you guys are voting and getting your voice out there because uh, that's, that's democracy for you. <laughs> Anyways, coming in at number two. In this, I'm, I'm just going to keep going. So here's uh, here's the rest of the script for the episode. Coming in at number two is the guy that's so nice, the A's traded for him twice, and that could only mean that we're talking about none other than the doubles machine, Jed Lowry. Uh, that's a hell of an intro. You're welcome, Jed. I don't know what it is about the water in Oakland, but putting him in in green and gold seems to be what keeps Jed healthy because in his five seasons with the A's, he has averaged 137 games played, but in stops with Boston, Houston, and the Mets, he has averaged 64, 83, and nine games played per season. And Jed Lowry's games played for the A's could actually be higher than that, but he missed half the season in 2016, but he's been putting out 150 game seasons on the regular for the A's. Um, Lowry, for his part in this uh, thing that we're doing on the podcast here was the best hitter of the group that I've mentioned today with a 110 WRC plus and his 271 batting average and 341 on base percentage were also pretty respectable. He played 687 games with Oakland and put up a 13.2 war in that time. And I'm just going to throw this out there. After two injury plague seasons with the Mets, he played like eight games total in two seasons. Uh, he's a free agent again, you guys. You know what position the A's need to fill. Second base, he's available. He's not going to be expensive. And the A's 
could use him. So uh, maybe we'll see him in green and gold for a third stint, but uh, it would probably take Houston signing him first and then trading him to the A's for that to happen. So we'll see, because that's usually the formula. Uh, I doubt that Houston's going to sign him. So maybe they just have to, you know, ante up on their own accord on this one. Um, but I, I will get into Jed Lowry speculation on another pod. I assume if the A's don't figure out second base before, you know, January, which I don't think that they will. Uh, today we're talking about nostalgia though. Let's talk about nostalgia. And the most nostalgic you can get when talking about Jed Lowry has to be watching him rope a double into the gap. In 2013, he hit 45 doubles. And in 2017, he had 49, which is an Oakland record. So congrats to Jed Lowry, the doubles king. But not even all those doubles can take down the king of second baseman in Oakland because this guy played 1,056 games with the A's after coming over in a trade that also brought them Johnny Damon and Corey Lytle and saw Ben Grief shipped out to Tampa. I actually didn't know that that's how they got Mark Ellis, but man, the A's did not swing and miss very often in those days, uh, on the trade front at least. Uh, they just were, they were like, hey, we're going to make this little tiny trade. We're going to trade this one guy who's, you know, recent rookie of the year, and we're going to get Mark Ellis, who's going to play second base for us for like a decade, and then uh, also some other guys. So uh, that are also really good. Anyways, uh, Mark Ellis spent nine seasons of his career with the club before being traded to Colorado. He totaled 22 wins above replacement at second base for the A's, and he hit 265 with a 331 on base percentage and a 96 WRC plus. In his 12 big league seasons total, uh, he had 130 defensive run saves, which puts him at around Matt Olson territory defensively, and that is impressive. So with that in mind, I took a look at uh, the other DRS or defensive runs saved uh, leaders during the time that Ellis was active in the big leagues, and he wound up being fifth in defensive run saves over the span of his career, trailing only Adrian Beltre, Yadier Molina, Albert Pujols, and Chase Utley. Those are the only four guys that were better defensively than Mark Ellis, according to defensive run saved. And I just always felt like he was just a joy to have on the team. And he kind of reminds me of just one of those old-timey players that you'd see in black and white. Was just He was just so stoic. He he didn't not smile. But re-watching some highlights, uh, I was looking for like, hey, let's see if uh, some of these uh, shake up the old noggin of memories of Mark Ellis, you know, at the plate. And uh, he hit for the cycle. And... He just was stoic the entire time, and it was kind of hilarious because he's like, yeah, I got this single to complete the cycle, and whoop-de-friggin'-do, I'm Mark Ellis. Uh, and I mean that in the most flattering way possible. I love Mark Ellis. He's a, he's a lot of fun. And uh, that actually leads me to my favorite memory of Mark Ellis, and this is a personal memory. You guys weren't there for this one. You guys don't know what I'm going to say. Uh, but he was signing baseballs at some car lot in the East Bay probably like 15 years ago, and I was thinking about going because I loved the A's, and I loved Mark Ellis. And my dad was like, but what are you going to say to him? And I had no idea. So I just kept thinking and thinking and nothing came to mind. So when the time came to say hi and get my ball signed, I just blurted out, you're my favorite player with like zero supporting evidence. I had nothing else except for that one stupid comment. And uh, I, I just said it like any schmuck off the street. I wasn't like, hey, Mark Ellis, I really liked when you hit for that cycle or man, you're so cool. I want to be you when I grow up or anything like that. Um, my dad still makes fun of me for that one. Mr. Leave the walk-off bunt game early. Yeah, he's still giving me a hard time about that one, though. And I want to be perfectly clear on this one. Uh, I was in my late teens at this point. I was not a child. I had just had nothing say to the great Mark Ellis, who should be on a pedestal. He should have shrines 
in his honor. Uh, I had nothing to say to one of my favorite A's players at the time, except for you're wonderful and I like you so much. Uh, yeah, I had nothing else. So maybe one of these days I'll be able to redeem myself because uh, I am sure that this moment haunts Mark as much as it does me. But anyways, these are the nominees for the best second baseman of the All Bean team. So make sure to head over to Twitter and vote in our poll that's pinned to the top of our profile to help determine who the best of the bunch is. Uh, but that is it for me today, you guys. On Friday, we'll be going over shortstops. So until then, stay indoors and celebrate good times, Oakland. Keep wearing those masks and I'll talk with you guys on Friday.